Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to 31 Days of Terror 2023, day number 16. And for today's episode, I am joined by the amazing Let's Get Haunted. Hosted by longtime friends Ali and Nat, Let's Get Haunted is a paranormal comedy podcast that's guaranteed to make you laugh as much as it scares you. Billed as the only investigative journalist podcast about shit that may or may not have happened in the first place, Let's Get Haunted is the perfect storm of chaos and intrigue. Each week, the hosts rotate telling each other frightening supernatural tales from around the world. Topics range from historical mysteries like the Battle of Los Angeles and the Donner Party disaster to little known pieces of regional folklore and internet urban legends. Let's Get Haunted prides itself on digging deep into niche topics to unearth new information you've probably never heard before. Like the time Nat went on the dark web to crack a conspiracy or the time Ali got a scuba diver to dive down to a famous haunted shipwreck. From time to time, the girls invite special experts on the show to tag team a topic. Past guests have ranged from famous comedians to actors to professors and even ex-CIA scientists. And there is also an episode with me, just... FYI, I'm also somewhat of a paranormal expert, I would argue. Each episode begins with Personal Hauntings, a segment dedicated to swapping hilarious anecdotes about strange things going down in each host's personal life that week. Nat and Ali never shy away from oversharing the more outrageous events in their lives, like the time Ali hunted down a credit card thief or the time Nat went to jail. Often more haunted than the episode topics at hand, These intros have quickly become fan favourites. Every five episodes are dedicated to reading paranormal experiences submitted by the listeners, also known as the Haunties. Past listener stories have included creepy meetings with doppelgangers, poltergeist hauntings, cryptid encounters and even alien abductions. Above all, Let's Get Haunted seeks to find the levity in any situation and to remind their audience that it's perfectly normal to feel a little paranormal. So what are you waiting for? Go and get haunted with Nat and Ali every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And this episode was an absolute delight. We ended up recording for like three hours because I did an episode with them and then they did an episode with me. And Nat and Ali are just so lovely, so much fun. I love a female-led podcast and it was an absolute joy to get to speak to them. As always, this episode was recorded on StreamYard, so the audio is slightly different than what you might be used to, but it is a wonderful episode. Go and find Let's Get Haunted wherever you listen to podcasts. Obviously, the links will be in the description of this episode, but make sure you go and listen, and I hope you enjoy the episode. 
I am joined today in the virtual studio by the wonderful Ali and Nat from Let's Get Haunted. Hello, it's such a pleasure to have you both here. Can you guys tell me a bit about yourselves? Who are you? What do you do? Why are you here? I'm going to start with Nat because you're next to me on my screen. So, <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, I'm Nat. I am the co-host of Let's Get Haunted along with Ali. And we have a paranormal podcast where we talk about um, anything haunted. That could be cryptids. That could be aliens. It could be ghosts. It could be conspiracies. It could be anything that we just think is out of the ordinary. We've done disaster stories before. Um, we try to cover things that have a new, fresh perspective, and we are billed as the only investigative journalism podcast about shit that may have never even happened in the first place. Uh, not to toot our own horns, we also are an award-winning paranormal podcast. We were very grateful to take home the 2023 Shorty Award this year for Best Comedy Podcast. And um, yeah, so that is what we do on the day-to-day. That's pretty amazing to win Best Comedy Award. Big up the girls winning the Best Comedy Award. I love that. Right. Um, well, my name's Allie, and I also host Let's Get Haunted along with Nat. Nat did a great job introducing our show, and we're really proud of it. Um, I know we were chatting a little bit off camera with Emma for all of the listeners who weren't involved in that private chat. Um, we were just kind of sharing different struggles and, and challenges with the show and different things we like about being a paranormal podcaster and it's definitely time consuming but it's really fun we're on our fifth season and I um, Nat and I both have day jobs so in the daytime I work on a farm right now we are in peak pimiento pepper season so I can work during like high times of seasons I can be doing like 14 to 16 hour days so all this week I was doing 14 hour days um, and then at night, Nat and I come together and we record our show. Mm -hmm. And then in any free time I have, Nat and I are both very outdoorsy people. So some of my hobbies, I really like to garden. Um, I have a little garden on my patio. I don't have any grass on my patio, so they're all in pots. But it's really neat to just see all the plants grow and it's fun. And we have a Patreon where we interact with our fans. And so I'll post like gardening vlogs and mm -hmm. Nat is an equestrian. So she'll post horse riding vlogs and we have a good time. We really like our show and our, and our audience. Yeah. And, um, I, sorry, I forgot to say the most, the best part about our show is that we're independent. So, uh, it was really cool when we won the award this year that, um, all the other podcasts that we beat out were like big studio produced podcasts and it was just me and Allie up there with some artwork that we got off of Fiverr and just saying <laughs> you know what thanks guys so much for supporting us we wanted to thank all of the patrons and we wanted to thank Bingus who is probably a fictional meme cat but you know what I mean we get like because we're independent we can kind of we can do whatever we want because we have nothing to lose which um I like yeah, it's it's sort of a very powerful position to be in, in a way. And we were yeah. just like you guys said, we were just talking off air about how a lot of the times. So like, you know, some listeners 
will often not realize that the difference between those big studio podcasts where mm. people go into a studio, a sound engineer presses record, and then it is edited by somebody whose job it is to edit. And then you've got people like us who are working and then sitting in a box room and trying to find time to record and trying to find right. time to edit. And and it's uh, like, it's amazing. I'm I'm so wildly astounded and impressed and all of those things that you guys went up against all those studio podcasts and brought home the award it's amazing oh thank you yeah it was it was you know something else that maybe you can sympathize with as well is when you enter these podcasting competitions I don't think people understand that you have to pay quite a bit of money just to enter and so as an independent podcast we can't afford to enter a lot of the competitions that are out there so that's why if people notice like the biggest names in podcasting competitions you'll see the same winners over and over again and it's because those are the only (laughs) entities that can afford to pay the entry fee so for the shorty awards um they are kind of like a middle of the road entry fee and our listeners are were very, very nice and kind of rallied behind us and helped us raise the money to enter. But so it just makes it all the more satisfying because it is so expensive. It is just the two of us. Um, And then you're going up against like Fox Sports with, uh, you know, hosted by Shannon Sharp, who's like a very famous NFL commentator that's on the TV. And so it's it's neat to be able to be in that space with those people. Mm -hmm. And they're all ignoring you. They don't even know who you are. And then to win. That was like so satisfying to just go up there and be like, we did it. We know you don't know who we are, but like we did it. And yeah, it was really I will say like. We were kind of, no, we were drunk. We were drunk at this award ceremony. And so like our acceptance speech was just kind, I don't know. It was like two drunk, bitter girls, like just basically saying fuck you to the whole crowd. But it was like amazing in that way too. You know, Alyssa was like, I see a lot of companies in the audience. We are the company. We do all of our SEO. We do all of our research, all of our editing. We go out and buy new equipment when it breaks. Like uh, she's like, so we are the company. And it was just, I don't know, it was a really iconic line. And um, I really enjoyed being there to witness her step into the power like that. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I literally recently have been having this conversation, like having this conversation, you know, with patrons on Patreon because it's award season here too. Like the British Podcast Awards and the Irish Podcast Awards are, well, currently in full swing. And I was, I said the exact same thing to people. I said, I don't think people realize that you have to pay often quite a considerable amount of money to enter these awards and if you want to enter more than one category you have to pay double triple whatever it is and then you have to pay to attend often I don't know if it's the same over there but here in in the UK um the 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 tickets for the British Podcast Awards were going to be 300 pounds just about 300 pounds and kind of a lot of independent podcasters were going well like if I'm nominated, I still can't go because I can't afford yep. to pay for the entry fee and to pay to go. So it is it like I always try and stress to people that if you're, you know, if you're voting in in podcast awards or whatever, or that's an option for you to try and try and vote for independent podcasters because mm-hmm. we don't have the money for advertising. We don't have the money to enter all of the categories in these awards. And it makes such a huge difference. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Uh, launched a Patreon this year for the first time ever in February, I believe it was, we launched it. And the awards for the Shorty Awards 
in New York were in April, I want to say April or May. And if not for the Patreon, we would not have been able to get mm. to the award show to accept yeah. our award. We which cleaned is out crazy. our Patreon. We cleaned out funds, the whole, yeah, yeah all the whole the account, whole <laughs> go. the whole account. And, and we were Chase fucking Bank pissed. Gave us a twenty dollar uh, penalty for being underneath the uh, required <laughs> amount for a business with a checking account with them. But we <laughs> we had to do it because we otherwise there was no way after all that effort of fundraising to even be able to enter. Yeah. Only to find out yeah. that we also needed to fundraise to get there yeah. and to have a place to sleep there and to get mm -hmm. into the show. You had to buy a ticket, even if yeah. you were nominated. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was kind of like when we when I first found out how much all this podcast award stuff cost in general, I was like, this is such a scam. This is just like yeah. companies wanting people to pay money so that they can be like validated for some stupid thing. Like we're not going to do this because we couldn't afford to do it. So in the first couple of years we did it, we didn't like literally didn't do it because we were just like, this is probably just a scam, you know? But then as you start to like, do, like continue to go on, you realize, okay, well, if we want to collab with other people, if we want people to take our, us seriously that have never heard the podcast, then we need to have like some sort of accolades that go along with our name to like entice people to get like some random person that we want to interview to want to do a free interview. You know, we need to be like, have something behind our name. So we were like, fuck it. Let's just like clean out this account and go. I remember Alyssa telling me, I was like, should we go? Should we not go? And she was like, she was like, you dumb bitch. No one's going to make you successful. And I was like, no, you're so right. Yes. No, we need to go. Yes. To go. That is so true. <laughs> and yeah. I have a really, really important question for you guys, which is probably the most important question you will ever be asked in your life. And definitely the most important question with regards to this podcast. What is your favorite horror film and why? Natalia, I'll let you go first. No, you. I went first in the last one. You go. Okay. All right. Um, I have two favorite movies ever on Earth. I own both of them, and I watch them multiple times a year. I just love them so much. The first movie is Pan's Labyrinth, which I know is technically not horror, but it has like these fantasy elements with cryptids and folklore and there is like a spooky it's also a spooky movie even if it's not explicitly horror um and that is my favorite movie on earth when i was in high school my senior year of high school um graduating before going to college they would have like a senior night where everybody would meet at the fairgrounds and it was run by the school so there would be like raffles and stuff and I remember in the raffle, I won a portable DVD player with like a screen, which was a big deal. I didn't have a computer or anything at the time. And so I was very, very excited to get that. And my very first DVD I ever bought to watch on there was Pan's Labyrinth. And I would just watch <laughs> it repeatedly all like the whole year. It's one of my favorites. And then my second favorite movie ever definitely falls into the category of horror. And that is The Conjuring. I love The Conjuring so much. Um, I, I also feel like horror gets a bad rap for some reason. People tend to think that it's like a lesser form of, of film. And I just totally disagree. I think The Conjuring was so smart in the way that they made their audience scared, especially because I hate gore. Like the Saw mm -hmm. movies, not a fan of. I just don't like gore for the sake of gore. And so to be scared without the element of gore is like awesome. There's nothing like it. Yeah, it is. It's grim. And I say it all the time, too. I feel like gore for the sake of gore. It's just not good 
filmmaking a lot of the time you know i think it's, it's not adding value. anything to it and shock value it doesn't do it for me i'm like you i like a horror film that can scare the living shit out of you but it does it in a really either simplistic way or a clever way that doesn't rely on lots of blood and guts and people getting their heads bashed in. But they're, you know, they're Pan's Labyrinth, also amazing. Love that film. Mm-hmm. The creature with the so eyeballs in his hands. Terrifying. Yes. Yes. Um, but there is that moment in Pan's Labyrinth where the captain or whatever he is, the the sergeant i don't know what his rank is like batters that guy with the end of a bottle and it's it is relevant it's gore that's relevant in the film because it demonstrates his violence and the violence of the time that is burned into my brain burned into my brain totally yeah i absolutely know what you mean and i think like that moment, like you said, even though it's gore, it moves the plot along, right? It like it lends to character development. So I'm okay with that. It's just like, yeah, this gore for no reason other than shock value bothers me. I don't know. Makes me too squeamish. Yeah. Well, then I feel like you would like this movie. Have you seen 1408, Alyssa? Yes. I okay. have not. I have not. Okay. Oh my God. It's so fucking good. I think so. I was thinking about this like, what's my favorite horror movie? And it's hard to come up with one because there's so many that are just like fucked me up. Like when I was a kid, it was definitely The Ring, The Grudge, any of those kind of like translated Japanese horror things really just fucked with me because it was really popular at the time. I don't know. Also, I was like at that age. But the, the horror movie that sticks with me as an adult is called 1408. I think it's John Cusack and um, Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. And it's, it's a about this guy who writes like he's kind of like what we do like he writes horror um books about like haunted places and he goes and visits haunted places and then he talks about it in his books but it's kind of like at this point becomes sort of like a gimmick and so he gets like um in the mail he gets an invitation to go to this uh random location that he's never heard of and he's like this is kind of weird and he goes there and the manager's like hey what's up and he's like oh i got your card like i'm supposed to come to your haunted hotel or whatever you know to write like can i get a room and the manager's like i didn't send you something you can't come here and john cusack's character is like okay well obviously you did like is this part of the gimmick like this is kind of spooky i kind of like this and he's like no i will not allow you to stay in this room like you cannot stay there it is so haunted like last time i let someone in there they took a scissor to their eyes and he's yeah he's like you can't stay in there and then john cusack is like finds some old civil war like um rule or law where you like have to let someone stay in a room if it's available and then he stays in that fucking room and he gets trapped in there i'm not gonna go into detail but it's like a haunted room that you can never get out of and the movie oh i just get chills thinking about it because there's like parts where he thinks he gets out and like there's this one part that's burned into my head where he's like at the post office he thinks it's been like weeks after he got out or whatever it's like two weeks later vibe and he's like had just gone to the beach and then he goes to the post office and then he hears like this fucking song that he kept hearing in the hotel room and he starts peeling back the wallpaper of the post office and realizes he's still in the fucking hotel room no it's an insane movie and it's just like it, it, it I think it combines like a claustrophobia with being trapped alone with your thoughts for like the rest of your life because he's like imprisoned in this room he can never get out but it's you know it's it's a crazy movie I highly suggest everyone sees it it's a really one that will be burned into your brain <laughs> wow I yeah, definitely need to watch that and it's a clever horror movie as well. It's something so totally different. It really is. So you've sort of said a bit about Let's Get Haunted. You've said a, a little brief overview 
of what it is for people who maybe haven't heard of it. So why did you guys start Let's Get Haunted? What was the impetus that made you go, yeah, we're going to do this? That Yeah, that's an interesting question. Nat and I met in college and one of my first memories like with her that kind of solidified our friendship was us just being awake at 3 a.m. for no reason in our separate respective dormitories and just texting each other being like, hey, I'm on YouTube right now and I fell down this like black hole of of mystery and conspiracy videos like are you up right now and then the I still remember and Natalia was like I'm literally watching that exact video right now <laughs> like I yes I'm up and I am watching it so I think like we already were in the same rabbit hole I love that it's just just two spooky bitches <laughs> it was yeah. inevitable <laughs> yeah yeah and I I didn't really know much about podcasting at the time but Alyssa was really into podcasts because for work she kind of drives around a lot so she listens to them um and we so I didn't when she was like we should start a podcast it was like you know what is that and she's like well it's like a radio show and I'm like okay sure Jan you know but then she was right like we started paranormal podcast and look it's great we were like ahead of the curve we're on top you know what I mean like it was very good job Alyssa takes a lot to just go for it and to just take the plunge because you can talk about it forever and then suddenly you're like oh no we actually have to do this if we're gonna do it right right well something that was unique perhaps maybe you can relate to this as well Emma but something that was unique about our podcasting experience is that we didn't even though I listened to a lot of podcasts neither of us realized the amount of work that goes into Mm -hmm. actually making one happen and Mm -hmm. at the beginning We were both living in completely different cities because Los Angeles is enormous. We were both in Los Angeles, but in different parts of Los Angeles. And we would have to meet in the middle was what our compromise was in order to record. So in order to meet in the middle and find a place to record, we would have to hit up friends and be like, Mm -hmm. hey, can we use your garage? Can we use your roommate's uh, bedroom? Can we record... in your friend's car, we would have to find a different location every time we recorded for the first two or three seasons of our show. And so it kind of became this running joke for our audience because it would be like, oh, where are Nat and Allie recording from today? And there were some weird places. Like one time Natalia went on a Tinder date and was like, okay, this Tinder date that I've been asked on um, coincides with a date we're supposed to record. Do you want yeah. me to ask this guy if we can record in his house? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's ask him because we have to get this recording done by this certain date. And so he let us record in his house. Turns out he lived in an apartment above an airplane hangar because yeah. he flew airplanes. And so we had to record inside of Natalia's car with cables mm. running out of the car in the airplane hangar to different <laughs> outlets. And we were just recording in an airplane hangar with the guy's airplane right in front of us, like a small Cessna. And yeah. we were like, all right, I guess we're doing it. And so that was, yeah, the first probably three seasons of our show was just random. Anyone who would let us record in their home, we would record in. Um, there was a night I stayed late at work. And Natalia, like I snuck Natalia into the building and we were the only two in the building just recording in the conference room. Um, Yeah, there's some wild locations we've recorded in. If that is not reason enough to listen to you guys, like that dedication (laughs) should be enough for people listening to this to go, I need to check them out. 
because that is crazy. <laughs> we did the best we could with what we got, right? That's exactly. the name of independent podcasting. I'm sure you can relate to that. It's like there's a deadline that you've set for yourself. And if you're not holding yourself accountable, nobody else is because you don't have a manager or an editor or a producer. Yeah. So you just have to make the time and figure it out. I remember one time we recorded in someone's studio and we actually got in trouble for telling this story on the podcast. But now it's been so much time that who the fuck cares? But this person, <laughs> there was like when we showed up the morning of to record, it was really early. It was like eight in the morning. And there was like a sex playlist on in the background and there was a used condom on the floor and part of a hair extension on the floor. And then like the whole table was like littered in like strange liquids and strange powders. And it was just clear like this, this person was kind of like forgot, you know, like they had had like a late night bender out and were obviously like banging in that audio room they had and then forgot that these two girls were going to come in in the morning. And so um, in the morning they come in like after we're already recording for a little while to like get something that they forgot about and they walk in and then I see their like eyes just get all bright and they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And they like grab this used condom and they, like wipe off the table really quick. And we're just like, I'm so sorry. And we're like, no, it's totally fine. It's cool. Like, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, I think the part, um, just for a little bit of exposition, we knew somebody who was in a band, like, so we won't say the name of the band because they're on the radio and they have like a record label. And we knew this person through some mutual friends. And so at the home they were living in, it was kind of halfway between where Nat and I were living. It was in that like meet in the middle criteria. And yeah. he had a backyard studio. So we were like, hey, you know, you're a rock star. You don't wake up until 1 p.m. usually each day. If we get in by 8 a.m., we can be out within three hours um, and we'll Venmo you like, you know, 50 bucks, even though he didn't need it. And we were like, just so it's even and it's fine and you can just leave it unlocked for us. And he just yeah he was living the rock star lifestyle and the the shit we saw in that studio was absolutely outrageous yeah and you two are just like i just want to record a podcast about a cryptid and i'm sitting yeah. here <laughs> about a with, exactly with a used condom and half a hair extension and where's the other half of the hair extension where yes, is it yes. right yeah and the best part of that story though is like apparently that guy had a girlfriend that wasn't I don't how would you have a girlfriend if you were that guy but that wasn't there I that night that. and so she heard the podcast somehow and then deduced mm -hmm. that it, it that the boyfriend was like sleeping with someone else or had done something or whatever and then we got in trouble and we're like how are we supposed to like not bring this up on the podcast that there's a used condom and like uh like powder and stuff all over this table in a hair extension like am I just supposed to pretend that didn't happen <laughs> Right. And, and we didn't call him out by name or anything, but I guess she just knew we were using that studio and decided to check us out and yeah, heard it. Maybe. I'm like, you're welcome to the girl, honestly. Like, yeah, that's his fault, not our fault. Yeah. Maybe she thought like, oh, you're having girls podcast in your studio. Cool. Uh, what's their normal podcast called? And then she listened to it and she was like, oh, I like podcasting in a studio. Oh, but wait, what's this? A used condom and a hair extension? You know what I mean? But it not just goes fault. to show. You know, that's your that's your dedication. That's that's the lengths that you guys will go to <laughs> to bring people paranormal stories. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the nice spin to look at it from. Yeah, it was I mean, for as um, unpleasant some of those recording experiences were, I do think that that speaks to kind of the heart of our show, because on our show, getting haunted doesn't just mean 
being haunted by a ghost or an entity or seeing a cryptid in a gas station at night. It <laughs> it means like having to deal with the day-to-day -day bullshit that's outside of the norm that you mm -hmm. wish you didn't have to deal with. But then by going through it, if you just like have a sense of humor, you can get through mm -hmm. it and get through the other side. And that's that's how we view our stories as well. So each episode that we do, we start off with this segment called personal hauntings, where we'll talk about just bullshit going on in our personal lives. So it'll be like, oh, what are you being haunted by this week? Well, I'm being haunted by like my car broke down in the middle of the yeah. freeway and all these people were honking at me and like, didn't that suck? And what are you being haunted by this week? Oh, well, we had a, an earthquake at our studio and I got trapped in the stairwell because our landlord changed the emergency exit shut. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm being haunted by this week. And then we go into the actual haunting, which is like this, a story about a ghost or an urban legend. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And speaking of like ghosts or urban legends, um, was there a story that like real or fictional that terrified you as a child so uh, when i was a kid i had like my favorite movie was this movie that was called little nemo adventures in slumberland and it was a strange movie because i think it was like animated by studio ghibli or ghibli and then it was also like did like produced by disney or something so it had like that that same essence that is from all of those like famous movies from Disney or Studio Ghibli, Ghibli, whatever it's called. But it, it was it was a really like adult themed uh, movie about a little boy who's having nightmares and a, like a huge revolving part of this story is that he can't tell if he's awake or not. And then there's like this thing called nightmare land and it's represented by a giant wooden door, like a huge door that towers, you know, hundreds of feet up into the air. And then if you open it, like all this black ooze like comes out of it and kind of seeps out into the world. And I remember seeing that as a child and just being so fascinated by what was behind that door what like what what was nightmare land why was nightmare land just um like this black ooze and the dreamland had all this other characteristics that had like cookies and air balloons and uh games and music but like nightmare land was just this black ooze and it really stuck in my head and um i know it's not necessarily like a ghost story but i think it gave me sort of like a, a morbid curiosity that that just like I, I wanted to know so much more about Nightmare Land because they there was so little that I knew about it. You know, does that make sense? And so, yeah, yeah, I, I really did seek that out in movies and film and television and 
and everything. Like I always wanted to know more about like this beeline plot that had nothing to do with anything. Like I remember like in Hamlet, the ghost is, of Hamlet is like a really small part of the plot. And I'm like, why don't we hear more about that? That's yeah. like the coolest part of the whole play is like there's this ghost. But like it gets like two pages, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like you're telling me there's a whole ghost story in Hamlet and we we don't get to explore it and pick it apart to make a podcast about it. Seriously? <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember reading, I loved to read as a kid, um, the earliest books that I can remember reading. My mom had the entire Nancy Drew set, which started my love of Nancy Drew. Um, and those are definitely not ghost stories, even though some of the titles seem kind of ghosty. There's always like Scooby-Doo, like a person at the end that was behind the haunting um, but that was my first exposure to reading probably. But the first ghost story I remember that like really haunted me and I still think about all the time. I'm not sure if, if um, your listeners will be familiar with the book In a Dark, Dark Room by Alvin Schwartz. In the U.S., it's one of the most popular children's books, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And it's just a compilation of short, scary stories. And the one that I was never able to get out of my head was called the green ribbon. And is, can I read it to you? It's really short. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. Here we go. Once there was a girl named Jenny. She was like all the other girls, except for one thing. She always wore a green ribbon around her neck. There was a boy named Alfred in her class. Alfred liked Jenny and Jenny liked Alfred. One day he asked her, why do you wear that ribbon all the time? Oh, I can't tell you that, said Jenny. But Alfred kept asking, why do you wear it, Jenny? And Jenny would say, it's not important. Jenny and Alfred grew up and fell in love. One day they got married. After their wedding, Alfred said, now that we are married, you must tell me about the green ribbon. Jenny said, you still must wait. I will tell you when the time comes. Years passed. Alfred and Jenny grew old, and one day Jenny became very sick. The doctor told her that she was dying, so she called Alfred to her side. Alfred, she said, now I can tell you about the green ribbon. Untie it, and you will see why I could not tell you before. Slowly and carefully, Alfred untied the ribbon. And Jenny's head fell promptly off. The end. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember that story. And I don't know if we, I don't remember the book in a dark, dark room. I, we may have had a version of it, but I definitely remember the story of the green ribbon. And like, what were we doing to children in those days? <laughs> it's so funny because like my toddler has books in his house and like a bunch of people gave me books when he was born, etc. And I read one the other night and it was it's one Alyssa's talking about in a dark, dark room with like the scary stories. Yeah, it is weird. I was like, why is this? I don't know. Like, I don't remember being a kid and things being that haunted, but maybe they were. Oh, oh we I did. Like goosebumps and yeah, like around the twist. I don't know if you guys had that, but it was like we were like we were exposing children to all sorts of spooky shit back in the day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was definitely a big Goosebumps fan and mm -hmm. the book fair would come around to the school every year and I remember I would always pick out Goosebumps books and the the books that I remember most clearly reading from R.L. Stein were The Reader Beware You Choose the Scare. Yes. Which, yes. Yeah. Which if people 
who are listening, maybe you're not familiar with Goosebumps or or that style of Goosebumps book. What it basically was is it was a scary story written in the choose your own adventure style. So every few pages or chapters, you'd come to like this fork in the road, a decision for your for the main character to make. And it would say, you know, if you choose this decision, skip to this page. If you choose this decision, skip to this other page. And I would put um, post-it notes on all of the pages that had options so that later I could go back and see what would have happened if I had chosen the other option. And I, I don't remember the name of the book, but it was one of these Goosebumps books in Reader Beware, You Choose the Scare style. And the end, the ending that my character ended up with through my decisions was where I crawled out of a sewer and I am in this alien world with all of these aliens around me. I'm the only human. And they run up to me in horror. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, clicking and speaking in a language I don't understand. And they drag you off to like a human zoo. And that's just the end of the decision you've made. Like, that's the end of your story. And it fucked me up. I was like, <laughs> no, no, this can't be my fate. And it was after that story, I started putting the post-it notes on all the decision pages so that I could just go back if I didn't like the ending. And just reverse the decision and be like, oh, I don't yeah. want to end up in a human zoo. No. please." It was, I, for some reason, even though it like seems cartoonish and silly and it's not that spooky, that is the ending that like messed me up the most. As well as that. So, you know, our spooky stuff from our childhood that clearly traumatized us and now we just relive <laughs> it every day for some reason. Have you got a favorite legend or ghost story about your local area specifically? Like where you grew up or where you live now? I'm originally from Ventura County, California, which is just outside of Los Angeles County. Um, so even though Nat and I attended college in L.A. and lived in L.A. for many years and our studio is in L.A., I'm from Ventura. And so that those are the legends I'm most familiar with, although there are some great ones in Los Angeles, like the Cecil Hotel and mm. all types of interesting things. But um, because I'm from Ventura and I work in Ventura and I live in Ventura, the one that comes most to mind is... We have a lot of like cool rural um, or farm based legends and stories because it is a farming community, which is hence why I work on a farm. So one, I remember one year I was working on an industrial hemp farm, which is um, I, I'm only mentioning this because people always get confused and, and they try to say that. The story um, is discounted because, oh, the people who witnessed it must have just been high off of the hemp. And it's like, no, <laughs> that's not it. industrial hemp is made into like cords and clothing and lotions and it doesn't contain any THC. So that, you know, checkmate skeptics. That's not what this story is <laughs> about. But we had two um, security guards that were working the night shift on this giant field. I mean, huge acres and acres and acres of hemp. And it was in kind of this rural part of the county. So there's really, there's one two lane highway and that's it. There's no houses. There's no structures. There's just mountains on one end, a two lane highway. And then this valley where there were these thousands of acres of hemp. And the security guards were on this little um, Kubota, it's like a four-wheeler, and their only job was all night to just go around in a circle around the field and make sure that nobody who thought it was marijuana was trying to break in, because it's not. Mm -hmm. And so one um, day, just nobody showed up for work anymore. These two guys were scheduled to be on shift, and they didn't show up. And so my job was to call them and ask them where they were and if they were planning on showing up, why they were late. And one guy... 
answered and immediately hung up on me. The other guy answered and said, okay, I'm going to tell you why we're not coming anymore. I don't want you to repeat this to our boss. Um, but what's going on is we saw a ghost. We saw a ghost in the field and it was so terrifying that we just left our shift in the middle and we don't want to come back anymore. And I was like, what? What? Tell me about this story. And what they had seen was a woman dressed all in white sitting atop this like neatly stacked pyramid of irrigation pipe that was really in the field. So that was a real thing. But you can't climb on top of it. It's not steady. It's really tall. There's no way to get up there without slipping down and falling. And she was wearing this white flowing nightgown just sitting at the very top of this unstable pyramid, kind of staring off into the distance at night with the moon like hit, glowing off of her, like hitting off of her. And I was like, well, that's an interesting story. But honestly, in seasonal jobs, people leave all the time and they give you weird stories. So I was like, okay, whatever rehire for that position the next security guard said the exact same thing <laughs> he quit and said that he saw an apparition on top of this pyramid of irrigation pipes so eventually found somebody that stayed so i never asked them if they saw a ghost or not but <laughs> they stayed and they didn't quit throughout that whole season so i don't know but i thought that was like really interesting and i wonder who that could have been and a lot of that land, that rural land, can be traced back to the Chumash tribes um, that were there, mm -hmm. you know, dating back 13,000 years. So I don't know. I wonder, could it have been somebody from, you know, that long ago? Or could it have been somebody from more recent in our county? Um, the first, like, colonizers, you would call them, were called Californios, and they were from Mexico and from Spain. And the government had incentives for them to come and farm and establish homes on this property. And so I don't know. It could have been a California. It could have been could have been someone from the Chumash tribe. I don't know. But it was really interesting because that land has never had like a house on it before. So I just wonder mm -hmm. who it could have been. You know, for like you said in the beginning, there's obviously a lot of people who are like, oh, they were high without recognizing, you know, what hemp does and et cetera. Et cetera. Exactly. But if, say if they were, say if for some reason these two separate groups of people or this, these two separate people were under the influence of whatever, what is the likelihood that they would see, hallucinate or but see the same thing? No, I and especially after rehiring for that position and having that guy say the same thing. So that's now three separate people that saw whatever that was. Um, yeah. I don't know. I never personally saw it. And I tried. I went out there one night just to like check up on everyone and see like kind of poke around. And I never saw anything. But Nat and I talk on our show all the time about how I just like I'm not tapped into that like psychic. Eye. Me I'm definitely not a medium. And I'm grateful for that, I suppose. <laughs> um, but I wish I could have seen what they saw. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were afraid, but it seems like no. <laughs> just interested. I so I have the story that I like kind of is what got me into the paranormal. Um, I'm from Oklahoma and Texas, but Oklahoma has a um, a really interesting background with all of the Native American tribes that were there. And there's a lot of um, pain and history that goes along with the land. And some people say that the land uh, specifically surrounding this one uh, river near Norman is like cursed because of what was done to the people there. So 
in conjunction with that story, again, not sure if it's related or not, but I went to a funeral for uh, my boyfriend's in high school's step stepmom's mom's funeral. She had so stepmom's mom's <laughs> funeral. So she and her mom had a very um, tumultuous relationship. And her mom was an alcoholic. She had died from complications sustained from alcoholism. During her life, she had uh, had just a really, really tough, tough life. There was she spent some time in jail. She had robbed a bank at one point. So she was a very high energy person who was just, um, you know, kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde type person, like a real outlaw. And when she died, her daughter, which was my boyfriend's stepmom, invited us all to the funeral or whatever for her. And the whole time that we were at the funeral, she kind of had like an unease about her. But I also think, too, that that's like very difficult to process a parent dying whom was not a very good parent to you. That's like a lot of complicated emotions to process, I think, for anybody. But um, so one of the things that I remember is right after the funeral, everyone stood next to the stone or um, the woman who had just died and, and stood next to it and posed and they took a picture. And then later my boyfriend was like, hey, you want to hear some like crazy shit? That picture that they took of my mom's stepmom that died, she's in one of the pictures. Like her ghost is in one of the pictures. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like what? He's like, no, like I'm going to show you. And so he pulled out his phone and he showed me this picture that was in his camera roll on this, the like first iPhone, you know, the one that was like curved on the edges or whatever. And it's of everybody standing next to the headstone. And then next to everyone, there is a ghostly figure of someone like someone wearing a red dress. It's like a floating red dress with white pearls around the neck. And the, there's no face. It's just a black smudge where the face would be. And there's no feet. So and I'm like looking at this. And what the craziest thing is, is that she was buried the woman who died was buried in a red dress and pearls and there's no way it could have been faked at all. Like I've, I've thought about this in my mind over and over again, how like there, there was not enough time in between taking the picture and showing it to me for them to fake it. And then we also didn't have like apps and stuff like that. Like if they were going to fake it, they would have to have like taken that picture, exported it onto a computer, put Photoshop onto a computer, messed with it and then sent it, exported it and put it back onto the phone. And so that picture is just always really stuck with me because I know for a fact that it wasn't fake and it was like unexplained. I, the reason I added that she had like this crazy life is because I think sometimes people don't. She went out like really not wanting to go out like she had tried to get this like liver transplant and then like was drunk and didn't show up to do the uh, like correct paperwork or whatever. So she got like pushed down the list and she was pissed and she died and she was very angry. And so I think sometimes when people die and they're not ready to go they kind of like linger you know i don't know i also think and i'm not trying to make light of the story because i think it is a tragic way for somebody to go particularly for somebody who's battled with addiction and you know not wanting to go and it's horrible for the family but if i die you you best be sure i'm coming back to see who comes to my funeral 
<laughs> yes. That's yeah. true, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because my, well, it's not funny, but another part of the story is that still when I talk to um, my ex-boyfriend's stepmom to this day, she tells me she's afraid she's going to see her mom again. She's like, oh. I just like sometimes when I'm walking alone in the house and it's dark, I like get a thought in my mind. Like I remember her and I'm like, oh my God, please don't sh come right now. Like don't show yourself to me. She told me like that night she went to sleep after seeing that picture. She was terrified that she was going to see her mom that night. I don't blame her. Like you would be absolutely petrified. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh, oh. That just adds another layer because not only does your deceased relative show up in a photo at the burial site, but now you have to wonder, okay, I have no logical explanation for why I can see their visage in my photo. Where else can they go? Like, I yeah. don't know. Like, yeah. Ugh. yeah it's just like, what yeah. are the rules? Yes, absolutely. I wonder that all the time with some of the stories we talk about on the show. Like, what are the rules? Are there any rules? Like, I don't know. It seems like we no. recently talked about a poltergeist. And so we were going down like there's specific criteria you have to yeah. meet to be a poltergeist. And then but then that brings up more questions because you're like, OK, but this is already something that's so out of this world and unexplainable. But yet it adheres to these rules like I don't know. It's that's what I love about the paranormal, though, is you it's just so out there. But then we try to put them in, put these phenomena into boxes that make us feel more comfortable. And it's just so interesting, that dynamic. It really is. I mean, that's what we do as humans, isn't it? We try and ultimately find patterns and things in yeah. order to make ourselves exactly what you said, feel more comfortable and less anxious and make everything more controllable and more predictable. And bringing it back to like podcasting briefly, I always love asking podcasters this question because I think it is such a fascinating question. What is the best and worst thing about podcasting? Um, the best thing for me, for sure, is the Haunties, which is our fan base. I, well, I mean, because I'm very busy. I'm a full-time mom. Plus, I am trying to do a podcast. Plus, I'm teaching Pilates. Plus, I'm trying to raise a horse because uh, I'm a horse girl. And so I really don't have a lot of time. So I don't really have like a strong social group here in um, where I live because all of my time is just spent doing other things. So a lot of the social interaction that I do get is from our haunties. And I know like a lot of the names of people and you really like cultivate a personal relationship with a lot of the people who listen to the podcast because it's become sort of a community for everyone. And we all kind of have the same stupid like humor and inside jokes. And um, that to me is like the best part about podcasting. And really the only reason that I continue to do this because I'm not super passionate about just like working really hard until I die you know like there's got to be something there for me like I'm a very I'm a person who's um of the pleasures of this world you know I like to dan dance I like to sing I like to perform I like to drink I like to eat I like to talk I, not so much work so that part I feel like is the hard part for me I like the fun part um the work part I think is difficult but it's not 
to me the worst part. The worst part that I think is for me specifically because I'm a sensitive, emotional person is when I get like negative feedback from somebody. And obviously, I don't want anyone to hear this and be like, oh, no, like she can't take criticism. She can't take constructive criticism. Pro There's probably some truth to that. Probably I can't take some cr constructive criticism. I would agree. But I, I think it's just like you get like you put so much of your heart and soul into an episode. And then when someone's like, oh, this this wasn't good enough or like you didn't do this or you didn't do this, you really just feel like, fuck, like. I sold myself short or I let this person down. I think there's so much of a personal investment because we are independent podcasters. There's not like, you know, it's just me doing something and putting an episode out. I can't like, there's no one else to blame if it's bad um, than just myself. And so sometimes I feel like that really like affects me. Um, but when that happens, I try not to like, I try to focus on what I can do really well. Like, oh, I can make people laugh, you know. I uh, were like a source of inspiration for people. This is just like a daily chat that some people have on their way to work that they listen to. And so I try not to get like too heavily like, oh, my episode sucked because like, you know, I always say not every song on the album is going to be the single. You know, you're going to have your tentpole episodes that are really, really great that they're award winners. And then you're going to have your ones that are just kind of like there to get you to the next week. That's such a good way of looking at it. I would agree with Nat about the best thing about podcasting is definitely the audience. I think that if I were to put out something that I've worked so, so hard on and then nobody said anything, I wonder if I would feel as passionate about it as I do. I think a big part of podcasting is getting feedback in real time. It's one of the few mediums where, you know, if you're a painter you can't, I mean, maybe there are ways to do it. I don't know. I'm not a very creative person. So maybe you guys can step in about that. If either of you are painters, I know Nat is, but when you're a painter, you're going to like have to find a museum or a gallery that will have a showing, right? Whereas mm -hmm. when you're a podcaster, you upload it and it's just immediately out into the world. Nobody has to drive to a certain location to listen to it or see it. Nobody has to um, buy a ticket. It's free. It's out there. You can listen to it wherever it's available. And then if you if you want to interact with the person who created it, you can just go to social media, which is this interesting phenomenon that we have now that I think we didn't used to have with, you know, not that Nat and I are celebrities. We're not. But I mean, if somebody else is putting out a creative work, it's going to be pretty difficult to get to them. Right. Whereas we're mm -hmm. just out there on social media and we have official Instagram pages and Facebook pages and a Patreon and a fan discord. So there are ways to reach us and tell us what you think about the show in real time. And I think that's something cool and unique about podcasting that I enjoy. Um, but it can also be a little bit, you know, frightening. Like Nat said, um, you know, it doesn't happen often, thank goodness, because our audience is so like nice and understanding and, and genuine. But, you know, when you do put yourself out there, it comes with a it is a little bit scary because people can find you. They know, OK, she works on a farm in Ventura County. Like, you know, like if you wanted to find me, you probably could. Um, and so I do think it is a little scary putting yourself out there, despite it also being the best part about podcasting. Um, and then the thing that I probably like the least about podcasting is time constraints. So um, maybe this kind of goes along with what Natalia said as well. There are many times where I've put out an episode and I spent my heart and soul and every free minute of free time I had that week looking into it and I'm so into it. And I wish I could spend 
a lifetime in some cases, just continuing to research and find out new things and travel to the location we're talking about and speak to locals and hire a translator or I don't know, like an Indiana Jones to take me into the pyramid. You know, I would love all of that stuff. But when you have a life and a deadline and and a budget, it's just not possible all the time. So I think that is something that's frustrating because there are so many episodes where I'm like, oh, if I just had one more month or one more week or one more day, I bet you I could have found something else that answers this question that I have that probably our audience is going to have that I couldn't find the answer to. But that's just life. You can't spend yeah. your whole life, you know, just looking into um, one ghost in a swamp somewhere. You know, you've got to, you have other obligations and, and there's other stuff to look into. And I also think that's what makes life beautiful is that there's never an end point for learning. You could keep continuing on on any niche that we talk about on the show forever. Speaking of uh, ghosts that live in swamps, I mean, <laughs> this is the worst segue I've ever done, but we're going <laughs> for it. If one cryptid was proven to be real, what cryptid would you want it to be and why? It's actually not a bad segue because... Um, and this, I don't know, this might not count as a cryptid. So I'll quickly say a ghost in a swamp that I really like. Um, it's called the gray man of Polly's Island, who is thought to be a spirit of a man who perished in a swamp in South Carolina and now walks along the coastal towns, warning people of impending hurricanes. So something that's really prevalent on the East coast of the United States along the Atlantic ocean is, are hurricanes. And there's this one town called Pauly's Island that's a barrier island, and it it does get a lot of storms. People have to evacuate. People's homes get destroyed. But in this small town of less than 100 people, people over generations have seen this gray, misty man that walks along the shore. Sometimes you can find him on boats, and he'll go up to fishermen and say, hey, get to shore. There's a storm coming. Other times he'll go up to people's homes and knock and say, hey, you need to evacuate or you're going to die. And then he just fades away into the mist. Um, and so that's probably one of my favorite creatures. I don't know if we could classify him as a cryptid or not, but I love the idea of a paranormal entity that helps rather than harms because so often we just hear about people harming or entities harming. Um, and then if I can't pick that one because it's not technically a cryptid, then I will just quickly say I would pick the Einfeld Horror which was something that happened in the 70s in Illinois where a family was at home and they were kind of terrorized by this creature that was described as having pink flashlight eyes and um, less than five digits each. And it it's really this crazy monster. If people want to Google it, it's E-N-F-I-E-L-D, horror, H-O-R-R-O-R. -R. It's crazy looking. And a lot of skeptics are like, oh, it was just an escaped kangaroo. And I'm like, you think that that like bear man pig uh, creature <laughs> like looks like a kangaroo? I don't know what kind of kangaroos you guys are dealing with, but I disagree. There are times and I am a big old skeptic, right? Big old skeptic at heart. But there's times when people will make a, a skeptical claim that um, seems to solve a paranormal case. And I'm like, that explains nothing. Like, <laughs> an escaped kangaroo you joking me get a hold of yourself yeah, yeah. <laughs> um okay so if i could have a cryptid be real i would choose mothman just because like i know there's like a running joke that mothman is like hot but i also i just think 
I think I would like to have Mothman as a friend because I feel like that you could just go for like really long walks at night together and they could like teleport you to different places all over the world. So like instead of just going for a walk in your neighborhood, you'd be like, you want to go to like uh, Chernobyl and uh, see this like a uh, giant elephant foot thing that's like a bunch of radioactive material. You know what I mean? You could like just go see random stuff with this cryptid and it'd be kind of fun to just go along on their like routine with them. Like I want to know more about Mothman's day. Like, is it like, uh santa claus where it's like you know there's like a bunch of people like working for him help him like do all of the stuff he does all around the world like like how does the infrastructure of mothman work or is it like something you can't even explain because it's like beyond my human brain can understand but i also don't think that because he's literally a mothman which are two like very (laughs) human like created things you know and i i like the idea of just him being alive but like being more moth than man and so you just like have like a giant lamp in your house like a big (laughs) lamp and then like in the morning you wake up and he's just like resting on the lamp and he's like oh hey how's it going and then you know what i mean i like that i am going to say and anybody who is listening to this who has been listening to real life ghost stories for a while will know what i'm going to say next every so often i read cryptid erotica on (laughs) on patreon yes oh that's incredible Cryptid erotica exists in or in various forms, many forms. And one of the best uh, cryptid erotica books is a book called Mated to Mothman, which is on Amazon. And I would suggest that you check it out. Mated to Mothman? Yes, Mated to Mothman. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I need to read that. First of all, the fact that cryptid erotica exists means that I'm now going to have a new hobby as well. Yes. (laughs) as you can imagine a lot of the erotica is bigfoot based um Mm. but you know it it branches out sometimes there's a lot of mad erotica out there sometimes when i when i used to drink alcohol which i don't anymore i would drink alcohol and do dramatic readings of various cryptid erotica for my friends (laughs) is it like really spicy is it oh yes is it like fluids and hair and oh yeah and it's oh, wow. often written by people who, uh, men who have absolutely no concept of the female anatomy. Oh, wow. That's, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. It's like that meme of like her boobs bounced boobily in her exactly dress. That. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, that's not how a vagina works. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to put that out there. <laughs> So have either of you guys had a paranormal experience that you would like to share? I have not, but I know Natalia does. And it scared the shit out of me when she told me. I'll preface this by saying I was really sleep deprived when this happened. So do with that information as you will. But I had driven from Georgia to Florida, which is a nine hour drive in like one day. So I could go to this like horse competition. So it was like on a time crunch, you know. And it, w- it was like a whole thing. And that evening, I finally get to this hotel room that we were staying in and um, laying down to sleep. My fiance and my toddler are in the bed with me. So it's like three people in the bed. All the lights are off. And I, my eye, but my eyes are still awake. And I'm just kind of like looking around the room, you know, like, oh, there's a light over there or something coming through the window or whatever, just kind of waiting to sort of fall asleep and being very quiet because my toddler's next to me and he's like dozing off. I see next to the bed all of a sudden, I notice that there's a man standing in the room with me. And I'm just kind of stunned at first because I'm like, oh, there's a, like, literally, I made that noise, like, oh, 
because there was a man standing next to my bed. And I had this moment, you know, all women have when we suddenly realize there's a man standing somewhere where we weren't expecting them to be of like, okay, what's going to happen? Like, is he trying to kill me? Is he trying to like, what's going to, you know, and I have like the split second moment of fear like that. But then I also had like a small thought come in the back of my mind where I was like, is this a ghost? Am I seeing a ghost right now? Because I logically, there's no way there could be a man in the room. Like there was nowhere for him to hide when we came in. So I knew that it couldn't be a man, but I was seeing a man standing there. So I had this thought, is this a ghost? And as soon as I thought, is this a ghost? The man looks at me and he was like this bloated corpse, um, looked like a body that had been like left out at sea for a few days, like really just bloated. Like you couldn't even see the eyelashes because they were just like slits almost. And when I think, is this a ghost? He looks at me and he nods his head like, yes. And then does this with his finger, like almost like the shining or something was like, yes. And and kind of took his little pointer finger and made it bounce. And I screamed. I go, ah! like that. And then he disappeared. And when I screamed, my fiance was like, what the fuck are you doing? Because my toddler was trying to sleep. But that's how I knew that I was awake. Like I didn't scream in a dream. I screamed awake. And I've never had sleep paralysis before um that i know of so i don't know it was very strange it was one of those things where it's like i know what i saw i saw a bloated i like whatever you want to call it i hallucinated i dreamt it whatever you want to say but it it happened like i'm not just making that part up so then the only thing left to answer is why did it happen and it, i guess it could have been sleep paralysis but it was it was strange uh, yeah that it, it it felt like something other than sleep paralysis just because it was like I almost had a conversation with the ghost. I don't know. It was weird. I don't know if I've ever heard of sleep paralysis stories where the person communicates with whatever they see in that way. Yeah. I yeah. Sleep paralysis is generally like, shit, 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 shit. I, I'm terrified. I need to get out whatever it is they're feeling. But it's not like a, there's not like a communication or a line of communication that forms, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it was like clear as day. It wasn't a shadow. It wasn't an outline. It wasn't like a ghost. It was literally seemed like a man was standing right there, but he just was a corpse. It was, uh, it was terrible. And I, you know, we were staying at like a La Quinta or a Fairfield Inn or something. And I was like, how could this place be haunted? It's like a commercial, you know, hotel. Yeah. Like a franchised like chain. Yeah. Like they have like fake pictures on the wall of like stock images. You know, it's like the least haunted place. I used to have um, friends who worked in a hotel. And let me tell you, weird things happen, even in franchised, even in the modern hotels, weird shit goes on. Wow. Can you think of like a small little taste of something a friend has told you? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if I can say this diplomatically um, without giving away who it was. I did hear a story before about somebody that I knew who was called to a hotel room. And in that hotel room, there was a woman sitting straight backed on the chair, just completely not non-responsive, but just not engaging with anybody. And there was a man who was dead on the floor. And the person who was called, who was there, was like, I have to establish what is happening here and see if this woman is hurt. And this was like a very normal chain hotel. And they established that the woman was a sex worker and she had been um the man was a client of hers he was obviously a very happy happily married man as it were and then he had engaged the services of a sex worker and he had died in the middle of 
whatever they were doing and this this poor woman was just there going oh shit what am I going to do she there was no evidence of anything negative that had happened or anything it was just a freak accident and I've oh also had God. friends who have gone into hotel rooms working in hotel rooms where there's been like loads of wild sex parties have clearly gone on in the hotel room or people have been having a really good time and they've gone on and gone in afterwards and gone oh dear god how am I meant to clean this up where do I go from here yeah so yeah just lots of weird stuff happens in hotels I guess you just gotta get on a hazmat suit and have at it go for it yeah and I also think going back to your sleep paralysis well not sleep paralysis but sleep paralysis I always think as well right even if it is sleep paralysis a it still happened to you like you said this happened you saw this thing so in that in in that case it is a paranormal experience that you have had because it is outside the realms of normality and you have physically seen it but also your brain has created that that is wild yeah 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 that's yeah even the skeptic theories for a lot of the stuff we talk about are extremely interesting like I said, it's yeah. still haunted. It's just a different kind of haunted. Like either your brain's being haunted or there's an actual ghost in the room. And both of those are pretty fucked up. Yeah, I don't know which one is worse, to be honest. Yeah. So final question for you guys. Where can people find you? And do, do you have anything else to plug? Well, um, the number one way you can support us if you enjoy our show and you want to know more, you can go to patreon.com forward slash let's get haunted. If you if this is your first introduction to us and you just want to know more, I would recommend going to our link tree. For those of you who don't know what that is, a link tree is just one link where every single link associated with a person or company can be found. So to get to that, you would go to L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash let's get haunted. And if that's too complicated because you're not familiar with a link tree, just go to letsgethaunted.com and you'll you'll find links to you'll figure um, it out. where you can listen to us. Yeah. Yeah. You and can I, figure it out. <laughs> I will make sure that I put links to everything in the description of this episode. Um, thank you, lovely ladies, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you guys. Thank you for having us on. This was a we lot of fun. Thanks. Thank you. I'm so glad it. we got to meet you. I know it's been great. So for if you're uh, just listening to this, we've just recorded another episode where I went on Let's Get Haunted and we talked about the haunted Bangar Fort and it was really good fun and I loved every second of it. And uh, yes, so if you are listening to this and you want to support Let's Get Haunted in any way, go and find them and listen to them, support them on Patreon, do all the usual bits that you do. Ladies, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.